Blog Talk Radio. to figure out what kind of schedule <laughs> the show is ever going to keep. Uh, but until my life can get <laughs> kind of stabilized, this is probably the way it's going to be for a little while. But when I can, I'm going to get these shows on the air, especially now that we are in the midst of another film award season, and we start our 12th season of coverage here on blogtalkradio.com. So Thank you very much if you are catching this, and most of you will probably catch this on the archives since I basically just uh, put the announcement for this show up today. Uh, and today is Saturday, December 15th, 2018, right smack dab in the middle of the last month of the year. Uh, it, looks, it looks like the telephone number for the show has changed since I was last on the air. The call-in number now is 215-383-3710. Uh, my email, if you want to get a hold of me at any time, is jaobrien, that's J-A-O-B-R-I-E-N, 1971 at gmail.com, or my production company website at slprods.com, Fastlane Productions. Um, but this is Blog Talk Radio, the Oscar Oscar show. Um, if anybody happened to catch, I had to do one show back in August, if I remember right, uh, because that's when the popular film Oscar, and that's when the Academy announced a lot of their changes, so... Um, thankfully that was scrapped not long after that. Um, but anyway, we'll get into that t- today. Uh, there's a whole lot of information to get to, um, a lot of Academy news, of course. Um, we've already had an Oscar host announced and quit. <laughs> the Academy is definitely in the midst of some, uh, growing pains and turmoil. So, uh, this should be an interesting Oscar season. So anyway, uh, but let me get this out of the way so, so I can see if I could make just a little bit of money. Sponsor is audible.com. 
who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audibletrial.com slash Oscar Oscar. That's audibletrial.com slash Oscar Oscar. You know, I don't even know if that's actually still active, <laughs> but but try it out. And uh, if you do want some audiobooks or something, if you use that slash Oscar Oscar, that will help generate a little bit of advertising revenue for the show, which uh, could always come in handy. So anyway, so yes, if you are new to the show, this is the 12th season, God, 12th year. Uh, that I've been covering the Academy Awards here on the Oscar Oscar Blog Talk Radio Show. Uh, And this show used to be a year-round show. I would do every Monday night, um, try to cover like film news and Oscar news all year long. Uh, But the time commitment just, you know, to devote to the show just took up a lot, especially when I was moving forward in my film career um, and balancing all of that and all the personal life things just became too much. So when when you have so many things that you're working on, you know something has to give at a certain point, and so this show has to kind of take that kind of back seat. But it still is something I really enjoy doing, um, and when I can, I like I said, I'm going to produce these shows. Um, you know, especially as the film award season gets into the Oscar race time. Um, like right now, we'll be catching up on a lot of the film awards news. You know, usually I'd like to try to get started end of November, beginning of December, but um, again, just personal life and commitments. Things like that uh, just kind of take up a lot of the time and energy. So, but I'm still on top of the Oscar race. Still, uh, you know, tuned into it, watching movies. Uh, just saw Roma last night. Um, so, uh, so we'll still be here, uh, and uh, we we still still have the Oscar prediction special, our big prediction special, which will be the Thursday before Oscar Sunday. Um, I'm happy to report that we've already got the commitments of our regular panel of five are all going to be here. That means Mark Johnson, Chelsea Del Prey, Darnie Johnson, and Jamie Duvall. Uh, not sure who's going to do the uh, opening number. Um, I think Darnie was trying to see if Jamie wanted to do a duet. Uh, so we'll we'll get all that as it gets closer. But um, all of the regular shows that we usually do will still be here. Um, and then you know, but it's just going to be kind of uh, if you can have some patience with following the schedule. If you just keep checking BlogTalkRadio.com/Oscar Oscar uh, when they pop up. Um, but uh, thank God there's always the archive so you can catch, catch the shows when you can. So, so anyway, the Oscar season, um, you know, we've already kind of, we, we already got started in November with the governor's awards, which we'll be talking about in a bit. And then of course, we're now about, you know, into the holiday season. So, uh, everything will take a break here in just a little bit. Um, and then we'll revamp back up in January after the new year. That's when the nominations of voting will open for the Academy Awards on January 7th. Uh, they have a week to vote for the nominations. January 14th, it closes. And we'll have the Oscar nominations announcement on January 22nd. And as usual, my plan is to broadcast live the morning uh, that the Oscar nominations are announced, broadcast the announcement live, and have your first reactions. Um, and Garney Johnson has joined me, God, it seems like past six, seven, eight years uh, on that morning show, so I'm sure he'll plan to join me again. Um, and then once the season gets started, uh, the Oscar nominees luncheon will be on February 4th. Scientific and technical awards will be February 9th. The final voting will open on February 12th, and they will close on February 19th. And the 91st annual Academy Awards will take place on February 24th, 2019. So anyway, let's talk about what's been going on uh, <laughs> with the Academy. And uh, there's been a lot. Uh, it's been, you know, if you look at the last couple years, you know, it's, you know, with the um, Oscars all white controversy, 
uh, a lot of issues of inclusion, the whole La La Land Moonlight fiasco, um, you know, and now with all these changes that the Academy has incorporated. Well, thankfully, you know, I, I did the show back in August when they announced a number of the changes. Uh, some of the ones are still going to be in place, which I'm still upset about. The fact that they're still trying to make the show no longer than three hours, and so they've unfortunately decided to take some of the so-called smaller categories, and they will be given during the commercials, and then we'll see brief clips of them, the acceptance speeches and the announcement of those winners um, uh, in the attempt to cut down on the length of the Oscar telecast, and I won't even get into all the you know, you can go back to listen to my August show to hear all my frustrations about that. It's always been something that has been rumored that the Academy should do, um, and I've railed about it for years on this show. Um, so uh, that one's going to stay. Uh, but then this new one uh, that we also was railing against was this idea of the Best Popular Film Oscar. Uh, and thankfully, shortly after that was announced, uh, the Academy decided to scrap that, at least for this year. Uh, you know, there was such an uh, outcry over this kind of award, you know, um, and thankfully it's not going to be given this year. Um, they basically, Don Hudson, the Academy's chief executive, said there's been a wide range of reactions to the introduction of a new award, and we recognize the need for further discussion with our members. Um, but, you know, they're not taking it off the table completely. I just think they want to take more time probably in it and not try to institute it for this year because there were all kinds of questions about, you know, um, is there a short list for popular films? You know, how are you going to vote for it? You know, um, do you have like a box office total for what considers popular film? Um, undoubtedly, this was to try, you know, because it, it, this goes way back to like 2008 when The Dark Knight uh, did not receive a Best Picture nomination. And again, you could go back to my August show. I, I talk about this in a lot more depth. Um, but the idea of a Best Popular Film Oscar is just ridiculous. I mean, that's what we have the People's Choice Awards for. That's what the box office money's for. Um, and and to me, I really think it's insulting mostly to filmmakers um, because you know if if you want an Academy Award, then you know you can you can up your game and work harder on your films. You know, The Dark Knight showed you know that you can make you know popular entertainment and you know still make something really really great. You know, and Black Panther may still, you know, that's the film that everybody's kind of watching now to kind of see, uh, you know, is is a popular entertainment like that, a superhero film, going to get into the Best Picture race at the Academy Awards. Um, and it's looking more and more likely that that will happen. Uh, so maybe, thankfully, that may disperse. You know, it's all a ratings thing. It's all it's all about trying to get more ratings. Um, but if you look in years past, you know, you had films like Titanic that was the Big box office blockbuster. It won Best Picture. You know, Avatar was a huge success. It was nominated for several Oscars, including Best Picture. Um, so I, I really hope this idea never comes back up uh, to have a popular film Oscar. So, um, so anyway, we we will see. Um, so yeah. So the popular Oscar got shelved. We won't have that new Oscar to deal with at this year's Academy Awards. Um, so let's see what else. As you can imagine, there's been a ton of paperwork. Um, okay, yes. Looks like I printed air.
branch will view films eligible for original score and film clips of eligible original songs and vote in a preliminary round to produce a short list of 15 titles in each category using the preferential voting system. Five nominees for original score and five nominees for original song will then be chosen by branch members in a second round of balloting, also using preferential voting. So the biggest change there looks like in the music categories now, we'll do like best picture with preferential voting. Um, so this, this could make selecting those categories interesting. Um, in the documentary feature category, films that have won a qualifying award at a competitive film festival will be eligible for Oscar consideration regardless of any prior public exhibition or distribution by non-theatrical means. That's a good thing. Um, let's see. In a procedural change, members of the Visual Effects Branch Nominating Committee will now be able to stream bake-off reels from the shortlisted films or attend satellite bake-off screenings and vote online. Previously, committee members were only able to vote in person at the Academy's Visual Effects Bake-Off in Los Angeles. So those are pretty much the only major rule changes, so not a lot uh, for the Academy Awards. Uh, it's just the other big change for the telecast that some of the awards will be presented off-screen in the attempt to get a com completely tight three-hour broadcast, because God knows we can't sit for at least one more hour, one night of the year at the Oscars. Anyway. Okay, so we do have our producers. It was announced that Donnie Giolatti will produce the 91st Oscars, and Glenn Weiss will co-produce and direct the Oscars. And Glenn Weiss certainly uh, attained a lot more notoriety. Uh, you know, he's a name we've known for a while. Uh, but on the Emmy Awards, when he proposed uh, to his girlfriend, uh, was, of course, one of the best uh, uh, award show moments in recent times. Uh, so he will be back to co-produce um, with Donna Giolatti. Um, and uh, they already have a huge challenge on their hands because – oh, hang on. Oh, Weiss will also direct the broadcast. I got that. Because, of course, the big thing that the producers have to do is select the host. And uh, you know, this is the time of year you know, we usually already know who the host is, and it was taking a while uh, to announce the host. And finally, we did have an announcement. And it was announced that Kevin Hart uh, would be the Oscar host for the 91st Oscars. Um, and I initially thought this was a, was a, a good choice. I mean, uh, Kevin Hart, great comedian. Um, you know, so uh, – but then in this day and age, things, things have really changed. Uh, so that announcement was made on December 4th uh, that Kevin Hart would be the Oscar host. And three days later, <laughs> the headline comes out. Kevin Hart steps down as Oscars host after refusing Academy demand. But basically what happened, if you hadn't heard somehow, um, pretty much as soon as Kevin Hart was announced as the Oscars host, uh, it was revealed that he had like tweets from years and years ago uh, that were very anti-gay. And of course this raised a lot of controversy, and uh, the Academy uh, demanded that he apologize for those tweets. But then Kevin Hart was saying that basically he's already apologized for those tweets you know, already and uh, didn't feel the need to do it again. Um, and uh, Kevin Hart in his tweet uh, to withdraw from the Oscars said, I've made the choice to step down from hosting this year's Oscars. This is because I do not want to be a distraction on a night that should be celebrated by so many amazing, talented artists. I sincerely apologize to the LBGTQ community for my insensitive words from my past. And he added later, I'm sorry that I hurt people. I am evolving and want to continue to do so. My goal is to bring people together, not tear us apart. Much love and appreciation to the Academy. I hope we can meet again. So, um, you know, it, you know, we've we've had these issues before. You know, if you think back in 2011 when Brett Ratner resigned as producer uh, for things from his past, um, when we were going to have Eddie Murphy as the host. Um, so, you know, this this is going to 
you know, obviously now there's more pressure on the producers. You know, how do you how do you find an Oscar host these days who doesn't have something in their past? You know, and and this is this is a tough controversy. And you know, because if you think like think about everybody, I mean, all of us. You know, if we think back to when we were a kid or a teenager, you know, uh, we we all said things that you know if it were brought up today, you know, we'd we'd be horrified by because it's not who we are today. Um, that's what's called evolving, you know. And unfortunately, it's the advent of the internet that all of these things never get deleted. They're all out there forever. And you know, to bring them up like today is obviously going to offend the sensibilities of the time. Just just as like, you know, you think of how we used to talk in the 70s or the 60s, or how we used to behave in the 60s or 70s. What was considered the norms in those times? They're not anymore. That's what's called evolving. We all evolve. You know, we learn things. Um, we become better people. You know, so so in my mind, this this is kind of a sad issue. I mean, you know, especially for someone like Kevin Hart who has apologized even before he was the Oscar host. Um, you know, and because really all they should care about is how is that person acting today. You know, I I think you know we take our sensibilities way too far. Um, you know, and unfortunately, I think you know, and and I'm a lifelong liberal. You know. And unfortunately, it, it makes a lot of our causes and things that, that are really, really important seem ridiculous and frivolous, you know, that, that we hold on to such things, you know, and, and try to make issues out of things that, you know, it's, it's like the whole issue right now about that Christmas song, um, Baby, It's Cold Outside, you know, um, everybody like getting in an uproar about that song. You know, and not recognizing that it wasn't written this year. You know, this this song was written many, many, many years ago. Um, but it's it's the same kind of thing with Kevin Hart. You know, like these these are posts that he made a long time ago. Um, he's also a comedian. You know, comedians have to ride a tough line between, um, you know, trying to push the envelope and be funny. And we just we can't go so far with our PC stuff because I think it's going to be harder and harder to find anybody to do any jobs. You know, of any kind, if we continue to hold us up to the standards of like our worst mistakes, you know, we're all human, we all make mistakes. Um, we're we're going to continue to make mistakes, and the only thing that really matters is how we continue to live our lives. You know, if Kevin Hart was tweeting this, you know, yesterday, then you know, obviously, yes, then we'd have a problem. But it's like, you know, when people make comments and things that were said in a different time, in a different society, where different things were accepted. Um, it doesn't make those people bad, you know, especially if they've evolved since then and they've learned, you know, God, that's what I hope we all do, you know, um, because how can we all know how to behave and say everything just the right way 24-7? We're going to make mistakes. You know, it only matters how we own up to those mistakes um, and work to be better. You know, that's the pattern that should be looked at is, you know, not, not being held up because, oh, it's right here. And then, of course, when we bring up stuff from the past. Then everybody starts to think that's the way it is now. So, so who knows who we're going to get as an Oscar host? <laughs> um, it'll, uh, you know, it, this may. Not even sure if this will get decided, you know, before the Christmas holiday. But uh, maybe we'll get an announcement here soon. But Kevin Hart will not be the Oscars host uh, this year. So, good luck to Anna Gilotti and Glenn Weiss. You know, going to have to do some huge background checks. It looks like. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so some other Oscar news. Uh, I announced the new schedule for the short list for the Academy. You know, we always get those short lists. 
Um, so I'm not sure why I printed that again. Uh, there are 87 countries in competition for the 2018 Foreign Language Film Oscar. Um, and you can always check out oscars.org, check out their press releases. You can see the complete list of films from each of the countries that were submitted. We got the short list for the animated features. There are 25 animated features submitted for this year's Oscar race. Um, if I had to predict the nominees from this short list, um, let's see. I'd probably say Incredibles 2 is going to be in there, Isle of Dogs maybe, um, Ralph Breaks the Internet perhaps, uh, because that's you know brand new out in theaters now. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse will undoubtedly be in there, um, you know, doing really well at the box office right now. Um, and maybe Dr. Seuss is the Grinch, you know, another success right now. Uh, the Academy shortlist for the visual effects race have been announced, 20 contenders advancing to that. And from these 20, if I had to make predictions for what will be nominated in the visual effects category, I think we'll definitely see Avengers Infinity War and Black Panther nominated. Most likely First Man, uh, Mary Poppins Returns, uh, which looks to be a pretty big success. Ready Player One uh, has a pretty good likely of getting in there. I want to say Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, you know, because the dinosaur advancement seems to, you know, keep getting better and better. Uh, the one thing that I, you know, Christopher Robin, maybe, um, you know, the, the one nominee on the shortlist, Solo, a Star Wars story, you know, it might be the first Star Wars movie um, in a while that doesn't get a visual effects nomination just because Solo underperformed. Um, so, anyway, so unrelated from sort of all the craziness that is going on with the Academy Awards, uh, the Academy Museum, I'm still happy to announce, is still doing well and on its way to completion. And they recently just announced, uh, started to release some pictures, um, some concept drawings of some different exhibitions and things that will be in the Academy Museum. Cannot wait for this, uh, you know, museum to open. Um, but it's it's going to be like one of the premier uh, museums for film, and I just cannot wait. Um, I almost just want to sit here and like read that whole press release of everything that's going to be in the museum, but um, in the interest of time and saving my voice, I won't. Um, and this seems to happen every year <laughs> in the original score category. We've already gotten uh, a ruling that one score it will be ineligible, and that's the score for Green Book. The executive committee of the Academy's music branch concluded that the score, which is composed by Chris Bowers, does not meet the requirements of the Academy's Rule 15, Section 2E. Um, they reviewed the score. It was flagged for review by the branch's score subcommittee. Um, and the rule says, and this is usually why uh, past scores have been disallowed in the original score category, is that a score shall not be eligible if it has been diluted by the use of pre-existing music or it has been diminished in impact by the predominant use of songs or any music not composed specifically for the film by the submitting composer. So that's happening for Green Book, so that is one that we know for sure will not be nominated for the original score Oscar uh, come January 22nd. Um, I was going to read this article. Um, this, this is one that uh, came out back in April. Um, when producer Bill Mechanic left the Academy's board, um, he had wrote a pretty scathing letter uh, that kind of detailed all of the problems in the Academy. And I, you know, it's like I said at the beginning, you know, I, I think we're we're seeing a lot of growing pains in the Academy and a lot of controversy that it's having to face because of it. And I think it's going to take a couple more years before a lot of these things get ironed out, um, you know, because the diversity issue took a while, um, 
and now we're kind of seeing a lot of that change in the academy membership, and certainly in the academy's choices. Um, you know, thinking back to Moonlight, for example. Um, so, um, you know, there are a lot of problems that, you know, and especially now as they keep trying to mold the Oscar telecast to get higher ratings, you know, that's probably going to continue for the next couple of years. Um, different changes in the Oscar season potentially, you know, still trying to move it up so that it's not as long uh, may still happen. Um, so there's a lot of things, um, you know, we may see because I still don't know if uh, – you know, I, the, the Academy had announced key dates for the 92nd Oscars, and I'm not sure um, – let's see. Uh, they had announced the next season for the 92nd Oscars, and they have a season that has the nominations being announced on January 13th of 2020 with the Oscars being presented on Sunday, February 9th of 2020. So, uh, you know, and I haven't seen anything yet if that has changed. Although when they scrapped the popular film Oscar, I thought I heard something that they were going to possibly reevaluate um, that as well. But again, that's going to be another kind of uh, thing that the Academy is going to have to contend with also um, because that was always something that was kind of – you know people were saying that maybe part of the ratings issue is that you know by the time the Academy Awards rolled around by the end of February and sometimes first week of March um, – there have been so many awards shows. You know, we have so many different precursor awards, um, and so many things have been predetermined. You know that the Oscar race hasn't been that exciting. So, uh, you know, so I think we're going to see. You know, these growing pains continue, and the Academy is going to be tooling with the show and trying to do all of these things. So, um, but anyway, so let me see if. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was saying a lot of different things, of uh, problems with the organizations. Um, we have settled on numeric answers to the problem of inclusion, barely recognizing that this is the industry's problem far, far more than it is the academy's. Instead, we react to pressure. Um, one governor even went so far as suggesting we won't don't admit a single white male to the academy, regardless of merit. Uh, we have failed to move the Oscars into the modern age, despite decades of increased competition and declining ratings. Um, he even said that instead we have kept the same number of awards, which inherently means a long and boring show, and over the past decade we have nominated so many smaller independent films that the Oscars feel like it should be handed out in a tent. Big is not inherently bad, and small is not inherently good. We have failed to fo solve the problems of the museum, which is ridiculously over its initial budget and way past its original opening date. We have failed our employees. Over the past seven years, we have watched dedicated employees of the Academy be driven out or leave out of frustration. We have failed to provide leadership. Yes, that includes the presidency with which a one-year term creates instability, but moreover, the CEO role has become much broader and far-reaching, and the results are erratic at best. Uh, many of the problems I'm talking about come not from malfeasance, but rather from the silence of too many governors. A vocal few people are insistent that the problems are not really problems or would be too damaging to the academy to admit. So that was kind of – you know, that was back in April, so uh, – you know, the it's clear that the academy is having a lot of problems and issues to work through, and uh, we're kind of seeing it on a public scale. <laughs> so uh, we'll, I, I hope everything can come together, and uh, I hope some of these decisions uh, don't produce a show that, you know, is going to be embarrassing uh, to the film industry because the Academy Awards, as I've always said, and it's the reason I've been a fan of them and doing this show, uh, are the one time each year that we can really 
you know, highlight this industry that we love so much and give a night uh, to all of these artists, not just the ones that we recognize, but all of the people that work so hard. Um, and you work on these film sets, um, and if you haven't seen how a film set operates and functions, the, these are some of the hardest working places I've seen uh, with people giving their absolute all, um, sometimes at 12, 16-hour 16, 16 days. Um, and it's, it's one night you know, where we really truly honor the entire craft of filmmaking. So, so speaking of the Oscar season, um, now that we got all the Academy news out of the way, um, you know, the, the film awards season usually begins, we, you know, we always kind of start it, it usually always started at the beginning of December, um, you know, but it kind of even starts earlier when we get the first couple of independent awards, like the Gotham Awards and the nominations for the Independent Spirit Awards. And we start to see, you know, you know, and those don't always have a huge influence over the Academy, but obviously it, it highlights one or two independent films that tend to go on to be nominated for the Oscars as well. Um, and from the Gotham's Awards, the favorite really kind of came out of the gate first there. And First Reformed really only got its only mention there, and that was one, you know, that Ethan Hawke was announced as a possible Best Actor nominee. I recently watched that film also, a very powerful performance by Ethan Hawke, but a very difficult film to watch too. And, and, and I always thought it would be a difficult film for the Academy to embrace, you know, even, even in acting. But it also got its Beale Street Can Talk mentioned uh, there. Um, so, that, you know, the Gotham Awards are, are even smaller. Um, but the Independent Spirit Awards, oh, hang on, just got to get my paperwork in order again, uh, also had first performed in their Best Feature nominees, eighth grade as well. Um, they also had If Beale Street Could Talk, Leave No Trace, and You Were Never Really Here. Uh, so again, some of the ones that we'll see possibly at the Academy Awards, but not always representative. So it's really when the National Board of Review comes out, and December is the month of Critics Awards. You know, this is the time you're seeing all the different uh, publications and journalists and film critics um, announcing their choices for the 10 best films of the year. And the National Board of Review has traditionally been the first one out of the gate to really get the film awards season started, and it elevated Green Book, which is now showing in theaters. Uh, the film with Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali, uh, both are being talked about uh, to get acting nominations. Um, it was named Best Film by the National Board of Review. Um, best, their best director choice went to Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, so certainly helping him. Um, and A Star is Born, ever since it opened in October, um, is really riding very strongly as a, as a frontrunner and, and not really getting a backlash as of yet. Um, you know, it, it really has managed you know, – because sometimes you see that early frontrunner kind of come in, and then it kind of overstays its welcome as a frontrunner, and then um, it starts to get the inevitable backlash, and that really hasn't happened yet. So it's, it's still you know, doing really well, and we recently had the Screen Actors Guild nominations this past week. Um, so it's, it's staying pretty strong um, as a favorite. Um, and you know, the Academy does have a tradition of loving uh, first-time directors, um, and of course they've loved Bradley Cooper, nominating him three times for acting. He's very well-respected and liked in the industry, and he's done – he did such an incredible job directing and acting in The Star is Born. Um, of course you've got the music contingent, so this is going to be a heavily nominated film. Uh, back to the National Board of Review, their Best Actor choice was Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. Their Best Actress choice was Lady Gaga in A Star is Born. Their Best Supporting Actor was Sam Elliott in A Star is Born. Their Best Supporting Actress was Regina King in If Beale Street Could Talk. Their Best Original Screenplay went to Paul Schrader for First Reformed. And their Best Adapted Screenplay went to Barry Jenkins for If Beale Street Could Talk. Their Best Animated Feature choice 
Incredibles 2, and their best documentary, RBG. And they have a top film list, and they have The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, Can You Ever Forgive Me, First Reformed, If Beale Street Could Talk, Mary Poppins Returns, A Quiet Place, Roma, and A Star is Born. And this is kind of the first mention of Mary Poppins Returns as a possibility to factor into the Oscar race. You know, I think when a lot of us saw Mary Poppins Returns, I don't think a lot of us really felt that this could be an Oscar contender, but um, it's looking like it's, it's, you know, it, it's the type of film that a lot of people are really craving right now, um, an updated throwback almost in a way. Um, looks like it has great music as well. Um, should be an audience favorite for sure, family favorite. Uh, so we shall, we'll certainly see. Um, and then the, the major critics organizations, and we won't do all of them, uh, but the biggest ones are going to be the New York and Los Angeles film critics, and they elevated Roma. Alfonso Cuaron's film, uh, which I just watched last night. It just was released to Netflix um, after a short theatrical release. It's a Netflix film, so uh, it, you know, it's going to have some challenges. Uh, you know, it is a foreign language film. No foreign language film has ever won Best Picture. I'm pretty sure it will be nominated for both foreign language film, and it's a, probably a foregone conclusion that it's going to win the foreign language film Oscar. But for a foreign language film to actually go on to win the Academy Award – uh, I think is going to be a big challenge, even as extraordinary as that film is, shot in gorgeous black and white. Uh, the New York Film Critics Circle did name it its best picture, and Alfonso Cuaron, the director, did win best director. And he was also the cinematographer for it, so he won best cinematography for it. Their best actor choice was Ethan Hawke in First Reform. Their best actress, Regina Hall in Support the Girls. Best supporting actress, Regina King in If Beale Street Could Talk. Best supporting actor, Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me?, their best screenplay was first performed. Their best animated film was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And then uh, Roma was named Best Picture by the L.A. Film Critics Association. Uh, their best director went to Deborah Granick for Leave No Trace. They also gave Ethan Hawke Best Actor for First Reformed. Olivia Coleman got Best Actress for The Favorite. Stephen Yoon for Burning got Best Supporting Actor. Regina King, in If Field Street Could Talk, got Supporting Actress. Uh, their best documentary was Shirkers, and they also went with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for Best Animated Film. Um, so, you know, we, we always sometimes see a difference sometimes between, you know, when the critics awards, you know, come out, when the critics announce their choices of their best of the year list, and then when we start hearing from the industry itself, and that's where some of these, like the fact that Ethan Hawke and First Reformed got mentioned in some of these early ones, and he's kind of fallen away now, um, as we see the industry come out, especially, uh, the Golden Globes. Um, which is not the industry, I know, sorry, but one of the bigger ones, but the industry with the Screen Actors Guild, which came out this week. Um, so you know, sometimes we do see the bolder choices from the Academy. And of course, Roma was not as eligible in some of these. You know, So some people are wondering if that has kind of taken away some of its status as a potential frontrunner. But I don't think so. I think Roma is going to be embraced by the Academy. Um, Alfonso Caron did an amazing achievement with it. And um, but again, it's just sort of the, the ebbs and flows that we always see in the Oscar race. The Annie Awards, which are made for animation, uh, were recently announced. Uh, they announced their nominations. Uh, they release a ton of categories, but the biggest ones that matter are like Best Animated Feature. They nominated Early Man, Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which we'll probably see go on uh, to be nominated for the Animated Feature Oscar. The American Film Institute, uh, the organization next to the Academy, which I tend to admire the most, um, they also have a top 10 film list 
that they released of the best films of the year. And their lists – and the AFI always uh, say that these are de- films deemed culturally significant. Uh, they selected Black Klansman, Black Panther, Eighth Grade, If Beale Street Could Talk, The Favorite, First Reformed, Green Book, Mary Poppins Returns, A Quiet Place, and A Star is Born. And uh, because it falls outside that group's criteria, the AFI uh, didn't recognize Roma um, in that list. So obviously one of the biggest televised awards are the Golden Globes, um, and those will be, uh, be broadcast shortly after the start of the new year. Um, and it's always you know, talked about as the biggest party of the year. Um, and it's voted you – know, it's not voted on by the industry, so you know, a lot of times we take the Golden Globes with a grain of salt. But it's certainly you – know, because it's one of the first big televised awards, it, it does get acceptance speeches out there. You know, um, things that we've always talked about you wish that the Academy didn't vote on, uh, but you know, there is a thing about different momentum going and um, things like that, and these other awards shows do have an influence in that way. Um, so the Golden Globes announced their list of nominees uh, just the past week, and Adam McKay's Vice, uh, this is where Vice really kicked in as a, you know, an awards contender. And this is a film about Dick Cheney. It's Adam McKay's kind of satire about it, anxiously awaiting it. It's opening on Christmas Day. Um, certainly looks uh, that it's going to get acting nominations. Um, I really don't think this is a Best Picture winner front runner though. But uh, certainly Vice getting six nominations from the Golden Globes certainly helps. Um, the favorite, Green Book and A Star is Born, all tied for the second most nominations with five each. Um, and in a milestone for Marvel Studios, and this, again, kind of continues the conversation that Black Panther uh, may figure into the Best Picture race, became the first superhero movie to receive a nomination for Best Motion Picture Drama, um, something that The Dark Knight didn't even do at the Golden Globes. Um, so the Best Motion Picture Drama nominees at the Globes are Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star is Born. Um, so certainly... You know, uh, the one good thing I really like to see is that Black Klansman has gotten back into this race with Golden Globes and Screen Actors Guild nominations. And uh, there's even talk that Spike Lee may finally get a Best Director nomination. It's unbelievable that Spike Lee has never been even nominated, and it would be great to see him nominated for a film which is really kind of brings back to form. I love Black Klansman. I think it's one of the best films of 2018. And it was a great return to form for Spike Lee. After kind of you know a lot of films that I kind of felt didn't didn't show his greatest strengths, but Black Klansman really reminded me of the Spike Lee of old. Um, so it's it's really great to see. I really hope you know when we get the DGA nominations that he gets a nomination there, um, and I hope the Academy can, can continue to embrace Black Klansman as well. So great to see the Globes do it as well. Um, some controversy with Bohemian Rhapsody uh, being in the list. Um, you know, this was a film that from the trailer you could tell that Rami Malek was going to be a Best Actor nominee. But the film itself has, has underwhelmed most people. Uh, they don't think the film itself uh, was that great. So the fact that it's in the running for a Best Motion, most best, best motion Picture drama, um, a lot of people criticized. And we have A Star is Born in here as expected. And Black Panther getting in for Best Motion Picture drama certainly um, helps it as well. Of course, the Globe split their awards for Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy which I'm kind of surprised Bohemian Rhapsody didn't get placed in this category. But they nominated Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, Green Book, Mary Poppins Returns, and Vice. Um, 
And Crazy Rich Asians, Crazy Rich Asians, uh, which also did well at SAG with an ensemble nomination, you know, uh, could possibly win, you know, in this category. It's certainly a very popular film. Um, certainly was talked about a lot. Continued to be talked about. Their best animated motion picture nominees at the Globes: Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Their best foreign language film nominees are Paper Nom, Girl, Never Look Away, Roma, and Shoplifters. So for the best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama, they have Glenn Close in The Wife, Lady Gaga in A Star is Born, Nicole Kidman in Destroyer, Melissa McCarthy in Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Rosamund Pike in A Private War. That's another performance there, Rosamund Pike in A Private War, ever since I heard about that. Um, I really hope this performance also gets Oscar consideration. Um, best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama, Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born, Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate, Lucas Hedges in Boy Erased, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, John David Washington in Black Klansman, another one that I was really glad to see and that he also got a SAG nomination. Um, it's a really great performance, and you know, since he's kind of new on the scene, he's Denzel Washington's son. Um, I wasn't sure if he would go on to get Academy recognition, but it's really good to see. For Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy, the Globes nominated Emily Blunt in Mary Poppins Returns, Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, Elsie Fisher in Eighth Grade, Charlie Theron in Tully, and Constance Wu in Crazy Rich Asians. Olivia Coleman certainly, um, you know, The Favorite being mentioned, you know, now really getting into the Oscar race, and it's, it's a period drama, so of course, you know, uh, that always tends to do well at the Academy as well. Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy, Christian Bale in Vice, Lin-Manuel Miranda in Mary Poppins Returns, Viggo Mortensen in Green Book, Robert Redford in The Old Man and the Gun, and John C. Riley in Stan and Ollie. You know, some of these that we won't see, you know, Stan and Ollie hasn't been talked about a lot either. Um, the film itself not getting great reviews. The performance is undoubtedly good. Uh, but with the Globes breaking up into these different categories, we always tend to see some that just have no chance of getting an Oscar nomination. For the best performance by an actress in a supporting role, Amy Adams in Vice, Claire Foy in First Man, Regina King if Beale Street Could Talk, Emma Stone in The Favorite, and Rachel Weisz in The Favorite. Um, best performance by an actor in a supporting role, Mahershala Ali in Green Book, Timothy Chalamet in Beautiful Boy, Adam Driver in Black Klansman, Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell in Vice. Sam Rockwell playing George W. Bush in that film. And Best Director of a Motion Picture, they have Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, Peter Farrelly for Green Book, Spike Lee for Black Klansman, and Adam McKay for Vice. Um, and the Best Director race is going to be an interesting one to watch. Uh, like I said, we'll get the Directors Guild nominations here soon. I don't have my dates right in front of me. Oh, yes, I do. Hang on. Um, DGA, where are you? Where are you, DGA? Oh, Directors Guild nominees will be announced on January 8th. That's when we'll really start to see what the director. You know, Bradley Cooper, I'm very sure, is going to get an Oscar nomination at a DGA. Alfonso Cuaron, undoubtedly, I think, will be nominated for Roma from both. It's definitely looking more and more likely that Spike Lee will get nominated. Adam McKay, possibly. You know, he was nominated for The Big Short, um, and I think Vice is certainly being well accepted. Peter Farrelly might be, I don't know, might be interesting to see if he does get nominated for Green Book or not. The Globe's nomination and Best Screenplay, they have Roma, The Favorite, If Beale Street Could Talk, Vice, and Green Book. Best Original Score for a Motion Picture, Marco Beltrami for A Quiet Place, Alexandra Desplat for Isle of Dogs, Ludwig Gorenson for Black Panther, Justin Hurwitz for First Man, and Mark Shaman for Mary Poppins Returns. 
In the Best Original Song category, All the Stars from Black Panther, Girl in the Movies from Dumplin', Requiem for a Private War from A Private War, Revelation from Boy Erased, and Shallow from A Star is Born. And all that great original music from A Star is Born, I would love to see the entire category could almost be A Star is Born for all those great songs. But Shallow undoubtedly is the one that has become the most popular. It's the one that you know, is probably going to win. Um, so the, the Golden Globes also do television, but of course we don't cover television on this show, so we will not get into that. And it was announced that Carol Burnett, in a very well-deserved choice, will receive a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Golden Globes. Um, and this will be a first-ever award named in her honor at this ceremony. She'll be receiving, be receiving the first-ever Golden Globe Television Special Achievement Award. Um, you know, they do give a Lifetime Achievement Award as well, but this is a special one just for television. And it, it's, created, it's being created as a television counterpart to the Cecil B. DeMille Award, which is specifically for Lifetime Achievements of those artists working in film. Um, so Carol Burnett certainly will be a great choice uh, to receive this. Um, hang on a sec. So yes, the Golden Globe Awards will air on NBC on January uh, 6th. And at least you know the Golden Globes is an organization that still does their um, Lifetime Achievement Awards as part of their ceremony, which I've always said I hate that the Academy moved those off of the Academy Awards to their own Governor's Awards. But hey, we're on a mission here to get the Academy Awards down to a five-minute show again. <laughs> Sorry for the sarcasm. Okay, we also get the Critics' Choice Awards, which are also a televised awards ceremony. So uh, they tend to, um, uh, you know, get get notoriety as well. Um, and from the Critics' Choice Awards, the favorite was a big favorite, leading with 14 nominations: Black Panther, First Man, Mary Poppins Return, A Star Is Born, and Vice. Also, were big in the nominations list. Black Panther got a total of 12 nominations. Uh, First Man got 10 nominations. Mary Poppins Returns, A Star Is Born, and Vice each earned nine nominations each. And uh, Roma got eight noms, while Green Book got seven. Um, so the Critics' Choice Awards nominees. Hang on. For Best Picture, they have 10 in their Best Picture category. They have Black Panther, Klansman, The Favorite, First Man, Green Book. If Beale Street Could Talk, Mary Poppins Returns, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. In the Best Actor category, they have Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, Ryan Gosling, Ethan Hawke, Rami Malek, and Viggo Mortensen. And yes, they have six in their categories. Best Actress, they have Yalitia Apricio for Roma. I'm glad to see her, her name finally mentioned. Um, I would love to see her go on to be nominated at the Academy um, Emily Blunt, Glenn Close, Tony Collette, Olivia Coleman, Lady Gaga, and Melissa McCarthy. Best Supporting Actor, they have Mahershala Ali, Timothy Chalamet, Adam Driver, Sam Elliott, Richard E. Grant, and they also have Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, they have Amy Adams for Vice, Claire Foy, Nicole Kidman, Regina King, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz. They give a Best Acting Ensemble. They have Black Panther, Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, Vice, and Widows. Their Best Director race, they have Damien Chazelle for First Man, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, Peter Farrelly for Green Book, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite, Spike Lee for Black Klansman, and Adam McKay for Vice. So a lot of other categories in the, in the Best – in the Critics' Choice nominations. And they also break down even Best Acting in Comedies. Um, and they have television as well. 
so again, that's the critics, you know, so we can't always gauge from the critics' choice, you know, what, you know, what the industry is thinking. It's when the industry awards really start to get announced. But like I said, just like the Globes, um, you know, they are a televised award ceremony, and so they certainly help bring greater notoriety to certain performances in films, and that always helps. It, we've always seen it happen before. So the Critics' Choice Awards will be presented hang on, on January 13th. So like I said, once the new year happens in the first couple of weeks in January, we really start to see the race shift into high gear and really start to take shape to see what's going to be nominated, um, what films are in the public consciousness, what's in the Academy's consciousness. And one of the first big glimpses came for this week with the Screen Actors Guild nomination. This is the 25th annual Screen Actors Guild Awards, and this is where we can really see you know, what – most likely what the Academy you – know, there's a lot of spillover between the Guild and the Academy. So that's why we always look to the Producers Guild Awards, the Directors Guild Awards. Um, the writing guild, all the guilds, and the acting award guild, especially to kind of see what those actors tend to be the ones. Not always. It's not always a carbon copy of what the Screen Actors Guild does, but they tend to um, give us some direction and see what the Academy's thinking. So for the Screen Actors Guild, the outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. They have Christian Bale in Vice, Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, Viggo Mortensen in Green Book, and John David Washington in Black Klansman. Like I said, so happy to see John David Washington included in this list. Um, this would not surprise me at all that this would, could be the five in the Best Actor race. Uh, you know, they've all gotten mentions from the other organizations. Um, all great performances. You know, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen Vice yet, um, but you know, it's pretty safe to say, you know, Kristen Bale, you know, always tends to get nominated, and especially morphing into Dick Cheney like he does in that film from the trailer looks amazing. For outstanding performance by a female actor in a leading role, Emily Blunt in Mary Poppins Returns, Glenn Close in The Wife, Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, Lady Gaga in A Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for a dramatic role in Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, so no mention of Roma in here. Um, so I would love to see one of the actors um, nominated here. Uh, very interesting best actress race because for a, a while now, Glenn Close has received a lot of notoriety for The Wife. It's been talked about that, um, you know, she's been way overdue. Uh, she's been nominated, I think, seven times for Academy Awards and never won. And they were really saying that this is her year, but Lady Gaga has really come on strong. Um, now, Lady Gaga has not been, has, you know, in a lot of the critics' choices and things like that has not been winning except going back to the National Board of Review. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how this changes during the um, – you know, if, if, of course, whoever wins at SAG, that's going to get a lot of motivation, a lot of – um, uh, you know, can't even think of the word now. But it, this race does seem to come down to Lady Gaga and Glenn Close. Um, although Olivia Coleman, you know, I think has been mentioned a lot. She's going to be nominated. Um, and certainly Emily Blunt getting mentioned for Mary Poppins Returns certainly shows that this film is being taken seriously, not just a popcorn entertainment. Um, so uh, this this race is going to be interesting to watch for sure. But I, I think, again, those five uh, would be pretty safe choices, although maybe Emily Blunt, I don't know. She, she may still get nominated. You know, Mary Poppins Returns, you know, will be in theaters, and it's, you know, certainly going to be a, a favorite. So we'll see. For outstanding performance by a male actor in a supporting role, the nominees at SAG are Mahershala Ali in Green Book, Timothy Chalamet in Beautiful Boy, Adam Driver in Black Klansman, Sam Elliott in A Star is Born, and Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me? 
So again, as we've been going through these precursors, you'll recognize all of those names. Uh, these are all ones that I you know, could see going on to the Academy. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, you know, certainly being embraced, um, getting a Best Actor nomination a couple years ago. Uh, Sam Elliott, ever since A Star is Born came out, um, they were talking about that he would be nominated. Uh, this could be his to win, most likely. Mahershala Ali, recent winner for Moonlight, um, great again in Green Book, so I'm pretty sure we'll see him get nominated. Great to see Adam Driver in here. He was probably the first one that was talked about uh, as a possible acting nominee from Black Klansman. Um, at one time, I thought he might be the only nominee uh, from it. I didn't. Uh, I'm so glad to see that the film and John David Washington have been uh, appreciated as well. And Richard E. Grant certainly been mentioned by a lot of organizations too. For outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role, Amy Adams in Vice, Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place, Margot Robbie in Mary Queen of Scots, Emma Stone in The Favorite, and Rachel Vice in The Favorite. You know, it's always amazing by the time like SAG comes around, you know, that we, we really tend to see how the Academy race, you know, because again, I can see these five being the Oscar, being the Oscar nominees. Um, Amy Adams always loved Sounds like she gives uh, another amazing performance as Lynn Cheney, the, uh, the wife of Dick Cheney in Vice. Um, and, of course, A Quiet Place, you know, a movie that came out earlier in the year, uh, very popular film, very well embraced. Um, so Emily Blunt could, could definitely receive a nomination here. Margot Robbie and Mary Queen of Scots, this is the one I feel might be a weak, weaker nominee, and maybe because there's not other good choices. Um, but it looks like Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss, it looks like all three of those actresses from The Favorite um, are going on to Oscar nominations as well. So the SAG Awards uh, Best Picture Type Award is the Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture, and they have A Star is Born, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Crazy Rich Asians. So again, Crazy Rich Asians being mentioned in here uh, certainly elevated that. Um, and because the Academy Awards have more than five Best Picture nominees, um, I'm pretty sure we can see Crazy Rich Asians get in the Best Picture race as well. Um, this certainly, again, helps Black Panther a lot uh, towards getting a Best Picture nomination. A Star is Born, we all expected. Uh, Black Klansman, great to see. And, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody is the one that's kind of getting <laughs> uh, getting the crit criticism that it really doesn't deserve to be in the Best Picture race. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that film can go on to the Academy Awards also to be nominated. And they do have outstanding action performance by a stunt ensemble in motion picture. That's an Oscar category that uh, a lot of us have been lobbying for. There should be a stunt, a best stunt performance Oscar. Um, they have Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Infinity War, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, and Mission Impossible Fallout. So... That's where all the various precursors are uh, as we stand here on Saturday, December 15th, um, and uh, we won't get a whole lot more, as I mentioned, now that the, you know, the Christmas holiday is approaching. Um, the Screen Actors Guild nominations were kind of the last ones to be announced, and then it will be right after the new year, January 4th, when the Producers Guild will announce their choices. The Golden Globe ceremony will air on January 6th, and Oscar nomination voting gets started on January 7th, So, and all the various guilds will start announcing right in January. And before we know it, January 22nd, we'll be here, and we'll have the Oscar nominations. So, so those are the, the films and performances right now that are in the public consciousness. They're the ones being mentioned by the critics and the various uh, organizations that grant year-end awards so far. Um, so that's kind of how your Oscar race is kind of shaping up at this point. So a couple other things, film 
topics I wanted to mention before we close out today's show. Um, as I mentioned, the AFI is an organization that I'm that I've always uh, for a while I was a member of the AFI and actually got to attend one of the AFI Life Achievement Award ceremonies, the one for Warren Beatty back in 2008. So I always loved the AFI Life Achievement Award is to me one of the yearly things that I always look forward to, and they've made another great choice. Denzel Washington is going to be the next AFI Life Achievement Award recipient, um, and that award will be presented in, I believe, June, isn't it? Yeah, he'll be receiving the 47th AFI Life Achievement Award, yeah, and that will be uh, next summer. Uh, and then they usually broadcast that on TNT, uh, usually, um, and also Turner Classic Movies. Uh, uh, tends to get that broadcast. Um, so, uh, oh, and yeah, I did forget to mention that the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Alan Aldo was announced that he'll be receiving their Lifetime Achievement Award, so that will be a great moment to see as well. And the general film news thing, uh, you know, most most people consume movies these days in streaming. You know, that's the the big change in how you know movies have evolved. And uh, one of the uh, streaming apps that I've loved to use is Filmstruck. And it was hated to hear the news that they were canceling Filmstruck uh, because this was a channel that you could watch so many great classic films, so many films that are hard to find um, on other platforms. So it was a huge disappointment to hear that Filmstruck was being uh, shuttered. But then a few days after that, it was announced that a lot of directors uh, were excited that they had claimed a small victory and a bid to save the movie service. Um, There'll be a new freestanding streaming service featuring the Criterion Collection, which is set to be launched. Um, but Warner Media shut down Filmstruck, and it, you know, like I said, it was a beloved channel. But I'm glad to see that the and the Criterion Collection was kind of a part of that channel. So I'm excited to hear that um, that the Academy, uh, not the Academy, that a number of film directors have come together to put together a Criterion channel that will still be able to watch some great classic movies. Ones that are very hard to find, um, because I think that's that's something that we have to keep doing is is keep uh, you know films past in the public consciousness and available, um, so that people can see those films and not just all the latest blockbusters. Okay, let's see. So the only thing that I hadn't mentioned yet were the Academy's Governor's Awards, uh, which happened back in November a few weeks ago. Um, and like I said, you know, and it's, I won't go into the, you know, I've been criticizing the governor's awards ever since they were announced, um, because I really do miss the moments on the Oscar telecast when we would get to stop the presentation of all the latest film awards and all of that so that we could celebrate, you know, a legend from the past. Um, but I know that the, you know, so many people have liked the separation of the governor's awards and how it allows a longer evening, sort of like the AFI Life Achievement Award, to really celebrate and honor a lot of these people instead of just having like a eight-minute segment on the Oscar telecast. So the honorees this year uh, were Marvin Levy, uh, who's a publicist. Uh, he began his career in publicity working for MGM before joining Columbia Pictures in Hollywood, where he guided the advertising for films including The Deep and Kramer versus Kramer. Um, he worked uh, very closely with Steven Spielberg, starting with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He held positions at Amblin, DreamWorks Studios and Amblin Partners, um, so he worked on a number of huge films, and Marvin Levy became the first publicist ever to receive an honorary Oscar. So he received an honorary Oscar for Lifetime Achievement. Uh, another honoree was a music composer, Lalo Schifrin, 
He studied classical music and jazz in France before beginning to compose for film in Buenos Aires in the mid-1950s. He has written scores for more than 100 films, including The Cincinnati Kid, Bullet, Dirty Harry, Enter the Dragon, and Rush Hour. Uh, he also did a mem the memorable theme for the TV series Mission Impossible, which, of course, has been a hallmark of the recent film series. He had received six Oscar nominations in his career for Cool Hand Luke, The Fox, Voyage of the Damned, and the Amityville Horror. Um, so he was nominated – or he was given an honorary Oscar. Um, another honorary Oscar went to actress Cicely Tyson. Um, she began her career as a model and a theater actress, appearing both on Broadway and off. She played small roles in feature films and television, North Class and then cast as Portia in The Heart is a Lonely Hunter in 1968. Four years later, she received an Oscar nomination for her leading performance in Sounder. Her other notable film credits include Fried Green Tomatoes, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, The Help, Alex Cross, and Last Flag Flying. So those were the honorary Oscars that were given for Lifetime Achievement. And then the Irving G. Thalberg Award uh, was presented to Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall, uh, the producing team. Um, they formed in 1991 and it generated Best Picture nominations for The Sixth Sense, Seabiscuit, Munich, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. They've done all five Bourne films. Uh, the duo co-founded Amblin with Steven Spielberg, sharing a Best Picture nomination for The Color Purple. And of course, Marshall is well known for having taken over Lucasfilm uh, with, Star, with the Star Wars. So, uh, so yeah, so th you know, that, that was kind of one of the first big events, too, for the Academy to put on. Um, and you always kind of look for that event sometimes, you know, to who kind of who is in the running for this year's Oscars and how they're kind of received by the audience and that kind of thing. But of course, it's really a night to celebrate uh, these great artists. And this is actually the tenth year for the Governor's Awards now. So, so I usually play clips from all of these, but just in the interest of time, because you know nowadays, you know, I, I know people aren't coming to my show to listen to these things. You can actually watch them. Because I will give credit, you know, because the one thing I always said too, you know, for the past ten years with the Academy splitting the governor's awards is I just wish they would televise it, you know, so we could actually watch the entire thing. But the Academy has done a good job of at least, and very quickly after the ceremony, by putting clips out on their YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash Oscars. It's, you know, it's regularly populated and they have tons of clips from the special, including not just the acceptance speeches of the people that were honored, but also um, all the people that spoke about, about them. So you, you can kind of piece together the ceremony in that way. Um, I still wish they would just have at least like a streaming thing or something like that. But in any case, those clips are out there. But I will play one. Um, Cicely Tyson, uh, 93 years old, um, certainly a, a very well-deserved choice um, to receive an honorary Oscar. So we'll close out the show listening to uh, Cicely Tyson as she recounts uh, some of her uh, especially that great story about um, her first Oscar nomination. So here's Cicely Tyson receiving um, her honorary award uh, at the recent Governor's Awards. Thank you. Thank you. 45 years ago, I was offered a movie entitled Sounder. It was the first major movie that I would have done in my career. 
on the way to the airport to fly out here, I stopped by a very close and long time dear friend's home to share the news with him. I said, I'm going out to Hollywood to do my first big movie. He looked at me and he said, and you're going to be nominated for an Academy Award. I laughed at him. And I said, and if I am, you will fly out and you will be my escort. I was nominated and he flew out to be my escort. The event was held on his birthday. When I received a call from my agent telling me that he had some good news for me, I assumed that it was going to be that I was to receive an Emmy Award for a segment that I had done on how to get away with murder. I had been nominated four times, and so I said, well, I guess they decided they finally are going to give me one this time. So he said, Robert said, but he wants to tell you himself. I said, he who? The president of the academy. What academy? I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he said, his name is Mr. Bailey and I will put him on. And so Mr. Bailey got on the phone, introduced himself, and said, Cicely, it gives me great joy to tell you that yesterday the Board of Governors, all 54 or 50 of them, decided to give you an honorary Oscar. Well, to tell you, I just went to water. I could not say a word, and I have to tell you, I don't recall ever receiving any information that sent me into such, I call it Niagara Falls, because I couldn't stop. And you can ask Mr. Bailey himself. He'll tell you, I couldn't say a word. All I did was cry. I cried and cried and cried. I said nothing. I don't think I said thank you. Mr. Bailey, where are you? 
thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance, but I could not. In any case, I returned to uh, New York, and I uh, went to my friend's home to share this news. He wasn't there. And so I called, and I called several times. It's very unlike him to receive a call from me and not respond immediately. And so finally I decided, oh, never mind, I'm going to tell you the story. And I t reminded him of what he said to me 45 years ago. I said, I want to share something with you. This time, I have it. <laughs> and this time, I am asking you to repeat your performance and escort me to California to accept this treasure. Not realizing that he was ill, and that he was in the hospital, and that he never got my message or my invitation for him to escort me to accept this incredible honor. His name was Arthur Mitchell, and he passed two days. I know, however, Arthur, wherever you are, that this was what you were promising me. And I want to thank you. I want to thank the members of the Academy, the governors, every single one of you who have made it a point to be here, to let me know how much you have supported me all these years. I could not be here if it were not for you. If you had not stood beside me, around me, under me, and made me feel. You know, sometimes when you plan to do something, you hope that it's going to turn out the way you want it to. It doesn't always do that. And so, it just lets me know that you have to have a certain amount of faith and trust and belief in what you do as. Quincy said that I said over and over again that I am led by divine guidance. It's when I go against it that I get myself into trouble. That's true. Oprah, thank you. I know what it took for you to get here. Whoopi Goldberg, wherever you are, I am and will be eternally grateful to 
feel. Mom, <laughs> um, I know you didn't want me to do this, <laughs> but I did. And here it is. And I know that for the longest time, I wanted to hear something positive from her. It took her a long time. And when I did, Jane Pittman, I called her up the next day when I got the recognition. And I said to her, well, she said, well, what? I said, you better tell me something. <laughs> and she said, I am so proud of you. And I think that if I had not heard those words from her, none of this would make a difference to me. None of it. Above all, I hope, you know, next month on December 19th, <laughs> I'm going to be 94 years old. <laughs> And I don't know that I would cherish a better gift than this. This is the culmination of all those years of have and have not. And God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that speech by Cicely Tyson. Like I said, you can go out to uh, youtube.com slash Oscars. Uh, they have plenty of clips from the Governor's Awards, all of the other honorees um, to watch those moments uh, when they were given these honorary Academy Awards. So that's where we are right now on Saturday, December 15th. So I appreciate you listening to the show. And again, I apologize for the, you know, the difficulty in tracking down a regular schedule for the show. Uh, but I'm going to plan for now <laughs> the next show in two weeks because uh, obviously now you know the gold the Screen Actors Guilds were really the last ones and obviously over the next few weeks we'll still you know you're still liable to see a lot of top ten lists um, critics choice kinds of things coming out but there aren't any major guilds they'll all be now taking a break until the new year but as soon as the new year starts uh, the film awards season will pick right back up so I usually do one more show that I still would really like to do uh, it's my traditional year end show. Um, and it's my best film music of the year show. So right now I'm going to schedule that for uh, maybe try to keep on a Saturday afternoon schedule. That's kind of what's working at the moment. Um, but obviously this will have to be um, subject to change. So just keep checking blogtalkradio.com slash Oscar Oscar to see if I have to change the date for it. But we'll plan it for two weeks for the next show on Saturday, December 29th um, after Christmas uh, for my year-end show where I basically – you know, celebrate what I thought was the best film music of the year with a music show playing 
the best original scores and the best original film songs of the year, um, counting down to what I would have as my choices for the best original song and our best original score uh, for this year. So uh, plan to join me in two weeks for that show, um, and I'm still scheduling us to work uh, – still plan in mid-January to at least with Garney and Jamie – Hopefully before the Oscar nominations come out, we'll do our show of the top 10 films of the year, our top 10 film choices. I've got to get with them on the date and figure out my January as well. So anyway, uh, crazy schedule, um, a lot of still difficulties uh, in my personal life uh, that I won't get into at this time um, that you know, have, you know, have really contributed to a lot of the difficulty with being able to do the show, but – it's been nice for the past at least hour and a half just to kind of focus on something else for sure. Um, and, you know, film, that's what, what film and its great escape always does. And what I love about honoring them and the different film awards and certainly the Oscars. So, so like I said, uh, it may be sporadic um, and not the usual coverage, but this 12th season of coverage here on the Oscar Oscar radio show, we will do it when we can. So uh, keep checking the website and, um, We'll count it down and continue it up to the Oscars itself on February 24th um, with our usual prediction special. We'll have our usual countdown show, see how the race is doing, and then, of course, our Oscars post-show to wrap up another season here. So so I appreciate you listening in when you can um, and your patience with the uh, crazy schedule. So, so if all can hold according to plan, uh, join me in a couple weeks for my final – for my best film music of the year show on Saturday, um, December 29th. So thanks, everybody, for joining me. If you happen to be listening in live, have a great rest of your Saturday, great weekend, great whenever you're listening, and uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks.